right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey! Sup? I'm Derek Johnson. <laughs> you almost forgot to do something different. I did, I know. You I were didn't, just about I didn't to roll ahead. like normal and then, you know, you just threw that in there. <laughs> I did. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we're going to have a fun show here on RCST. Very, very fun. fun Every fun, show fun. is fun. Yes, it is. Emphasis uh, on the fun. <laughs> Um, we will be talking KU football today. I know that was a concern for some, so we will be doing that. Um, David Lesky, Inside the Crown, is going to join us at 3.40 here. We got Case of the Monday, Stupid Scale coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk some KU basketball as well, so I- I'm sorry if you only wanted KU football. We will, trust me, in, in a couple weeks, once we get to like Big 12 Media Days, it'll be like oh, yeah. KU football only shows from oh, like yeah. then on through the season. I mean, last year, if you would remember... KU football had a great year. We were talking like three hours of KU football all week long during the year. Even when we got to crossover season, we were talking more KU football than basketball. So don't worry, it's coming. We have a lot of stuff planned this week from uh, putting more KU football content. We're going to start getting into our previews of the other Big 12 teams. We're also going to... Try to start getting you your early sneak peeks at the schedule for some of the opponents and, and talk to experts and, you know, writers, radio voices, whatever of the opposing team starting this week. So uh, KU football really starting to ramp up. I always view once we get to like July, that to me is when like, yeah. OK, I feel like we're which, right about to get football. Season, we're pretty which, close. Yeah, we're exactly. Three days away from July. Yep. By the end of this week, we'll, we'll be in July or actually I think Friday is actually the last day of June. But you get what I mean. We're, we're close enough. Uh, so we're going to actually start right there. KU football. Dude, you're just wrong. Oh, wait. No, you're right. I'm Friday's last day, <laughs> I feel. I always thought you were wrong, but it turns out you're wrong. You know? Anytime that you tell me I'm wrong and it's number related, you, I feel it, like feel I should vindicated. just double down. Yeah, you yes. feel vindicated. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're so like, okay, uh, this idiot says I'm wrong. That means I'm right. <laughs> I, sure. I saw this stat going around, and I apologize because I don't remember. It might have been in the Lindy's Sports Magazine because I've been reading that and you know going through the college football season. Uh, KU football is one of 13 Power Five teams, which honestly. I don't know. This even feels larger than I would have expected, but still. I don't know. So 13, there's 100 and what? 130. No, but just Power Five. There's what? Like oh, Power 70, Five. 65, oh, something okay, like that. Yeah, I guess that's true. But still, I mean, that's that's a good whittling down. There are only 13 Power Five teams to return its head coach, both coordinators, and its starting quarterback. Uh, that's a pretty good list to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Especially when you consider what Lance Leipold has done, mm-hmm. what Jalen Daniels did slash was doing. Obviously, got hurt a little bit too, which affected it. And then obviously Andy Kolnicki, who has just been phenomenal, right? And and the other part of this is what was kind of the other aspect of Lance Leipold coming to Kansas. One of the big things that he talked about, especially in his first season, was continuity of keeping everything the same. Right? These guys have been together. This coaching staff has been together, and it's not just the coordinators; it's the support staff too. It's the everybody else. It's mm-hmm. not just those guys. Uh, and so that's something that. Lance Leipold emphasized when he first got here, and it's something that has definitely been a priority for him long before he got to KU as well. And clearly that there must be some sort of correlation there with success, considering what Lance Leipold has been able to do 
at Kansas in his short time here and at his previous stops. Yes. So there, there's a couple ways of looking at that. You can look at that from the big picture of they have all this back, both coordinators and stuff. You can also look at it from the standpoint of just having head coach, offensive coordinator, starting QB back, what that means to the offense. Yeah. Um, I, I think both are obviously very important. And from the defensive side of the ball, like you could almost argue it's like it, it's more important offensively from how complicated Andy Kotelnicki's offense can be and because Jalen Daniels is so good. Yeah. But from the standpoint of the defense is trying to improve to another level from where they've been, whereas we've now seen the offense hit that mark of being a really good offense, um, it might end up actually mattering more for the defensive side of the ball just because I feel like a lot of, as we went through last season, we were trying to find out why is this happening? Why is the defense struggling? And it felt like usually the typical theme we would come back to on based on answers we would hear from coaches and players and stuff at the press conferences were that it was it wasn't like a scheme thing. It was just like doing the like wrong job execution. in the scheme. Yes. Yeah, it was an execution thing. That was So I guess I mean, having another I can't year tell is you good. How many times Brian Borland had said that exact basically that exact thing, which was we felt like we had a good scheme. We felt like we were we knew what we needed to do. It was just an execution problem. I think the biggest game where he talked about that the most, I think, was the West Virginia game, where he was like, in the first half, we just we just were bad execution-wise. And look what happened in the second half when we were able to execute better on defense and got KU back in the game. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, yeah, you're right. That is, and when it, when it comes down to execution, that just comes down to repetition. That just comes down to reps. That just comes down to doing the same thing over and over and over again until it becomes second nature, until it becomes instinct, until it becomes... You don't even have to think about it. And, you know, you hear a lot of guys, you hear a lot of people talk about that where it's like once you stop thinking and start playing, that can elevate your game significantly. And becoming more familiar but becoming more familiar with a scheme or with a how you want to play or how your coach coordinator wants you to play can only benefit that. So it makes that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So that's all important. Uh, but when you whittle it down, because I mentioned 13 Power 5 teams across the country, uh, maybe it becomes even more of a real number when you whittle it down to so locally. If there's right, the 13 Big 12. Power 5 teams across the country, that's three per conference, basically? Yeah, about that. It's a kind of funny. So actually, the Big 12 is above that average then. They have mm. four of them. Oh. So that means that basically the other conferences, <laughs> if you take away the four from the Big 12, the others are averaging like two. The Big 12 has four. <laughs> so I guess, does that mean anything about the Big 12 being really good this year? I don't know. We'll see. Could be. Um, but I, I find it very interesting when you look at the four. Obviously, Kansas is one of them. Who are the other three, you might be asking? Oklahoma, bring back Dylan Gabriel, you know, obviously the coordinators. I don't know the names Brett. of OU's coordinators. I know Brett Venables, yeah, Brett but Venables, yeah. yeah. Uh, Texas, Steve Sar- Sarkeesian. Again, I don't know the name of their coordinators, <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously that. And Plus then Quinn Ewers. Yep. And then uh, Kansas State technically counted for this one. Uh, you technically could have said but that, did well. Did Howard start all their games? He didn't start all their games. You could say that they don't count here because Adrian Martinez started a good amount. But Will Howard started the back half. The, he started the Big 12 championship. He started yeah. the Sugar Bowl or yeah. whatever bowl game. Um, so, I mean, he counts. I mean, and he was good. Give too, him so. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But notice those schools that I mentioned with KU. Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas State. If you look around a bunch of these preseason magazines or these preseason power ratings or anybody who's ranking these things. That's the top three. Those are the top three, Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's some places that maybe they have TCU in the top three. I don't understand that at all. Why? I I guess they're just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Although, have you seen their schedule, TCU? No, no. Their first, like, six games, cake. (laughs) Cake walk. It's ridiculous. But 
four of their last five games are against Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas Tech. So they could be like six and one and yeah. still be bad. Yeah, I think some people are putting them there just benefit of the doubt. And like there's been that they conversation. They lost by a hundred in the in the national game. I know, game. but they still made it. Benefit of the doubt for what? <laughs> Getting annihilated? But anyway, those are the those are the main predicted top three teams. Why is it that KU is being seen on because it's not the KU's being picked fourth or fifth or sixth right behind no. those. There's like another gap. They're being picked, yeah. you know, in that kind of middle the, tier range the, 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 to the bottom half. The shininess of KU football has definitely seemed to wore off from a national I think a lot, of people, a lot of people view last year as an aberration. Yeah, a lot of people are starting to pick them now to be not very good again. Isn't this where you want to be, though? Do you want to have yeah, that chip fine. on your shoulder? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I saw Kenny Logan quote yeah. tweeting the, uh, the pro football focus power ratings that had them 14th. <laughs> you know? I saw that, yeah. Which, I mean, listen. If you want to put, if, if you're a national person, and you don't follow K football, and you want to put them like 11th or 12th, fine. KU or uh, uh, you know whatever, but they're better than West Virginia, I think. I'm pretty confident. They beat them last year on the road. Exactly. They're better than West Houston. Virginia. Probably was better last year than they will be this year. I don't know. We'll see. They're better than UCF, I think. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, we will. I mean, they'll, they'll literally play each other. You won't get that chance with West Virginia, unfortunately, which actually would probably be one of the easier wins. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, I, I think that's very interesting. And it's not just the standpoint of like, oh, well, okay, even though Kansas does return its head coach, both coordinators and the starting QB, just like those other three teams that are being picked to finish top three in the conference, it's like, but are you returning anyone else? And it's like with KU, resoundingly, yes. yes. You're literally, returning. Your entire offensive line yes. except for one guy. Basically, starting receivers, starting, starting running starting back, starting tight ends, all your running backs, mm-hmm. plus Daniel Highshaw, who who was out for a good chunk of the season. On your defense, Kenny Logan, basically, basically your, your secondary the rest, the linebackers, your entire secondary, right? Jeremy Robinson, if you count him, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. So it's like you're returning a lot. So then, if you're like, okay, well, these teams are being picked way ahead of you, and they have a similar stat here. Okay, but you're also returning a lot of your other players, so why? And then it's like, well, is it just because you didn't win as many games last year? Like Kansas State, not only are they returning these, but they made the Sugar Bowl last year. They won the Big 12. And then it's like, Oklahoma wait, Oklahoma went 6-6. Six six. Yeah, Oklahoma went 6-7. and seven. They lost their bowl game, and they're doing that. KU went 6-7 and seven and lost their bowl game. So <laughs> I guess from the big picture standpoint, I do understand why Kansas wouldn't be picked up there. You know, it is a benefit of the doubt thing. Like you said, if you're a national person, you're viewing this as, okay, they had one six-win season in yeah. 15 years, and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to think that everything is is better it's and like, fixed now. Yes. Yeah. But you can easily convince yourself that based on when you look at how those teams are being viewed, and there are some similarities there with KU, that KU should well, be predicted to be better. Let's flip this question on its head. When's the last time prior to this year that KU has had their head coach, both coordinators, and starting quarterback from the previous season back? Gosh. Heck, when's the last I mean, time? has that even happened since 2008? When's the last time they've had their offensive coordinator for a third straight year? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, that's a good. That's a very good question. When's the last time they've had happened. their quarterback for yeah, the last exactly. two years, I right? I don't think that's literally happened since Todd Reason. Yeah. Uh, you might be right. You might be right. Um that's pretty incredible, right? Like, you could pick any of those combinations. Pick just the head coach and quarterback. Pick just the yeah. offensive coordinator and quarterback. You're probably not getting back-to-back years in there unless there, there's something that's slipping my mind, right? Yeah. Uh, for in the entirety of both seasons, I guess, would be the way of putting it. Which Yeah, because, I mean, you had some years with, like, Carter Stanley. Right, where he, like, like, spot started one year in like, the next. You know. he probably I don't think he had the same coordinator his that's entire true. career. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, did he was and David Beatty wasn't the head coach for his entire career either because Les Miles came in at, right. at the end. Yeah, so it's so, just... It, it, that's crazy to think about. That really is. Um, so I, th- I think that's just very interesting. If if 
to the standpoint of should KU be given more credit. And then I think you should be given even more credit on that. Like, it's funny. Every part of this, and this is going to be a theme all summer as we talk KU football. And I've talked about this before, the idea that there are a lot of things going your way that when you just state it, like how I'm talking about this right now with this stat, that makes you believe they should go over the six and a half win total. The one thing that keeps harping you back is like when you actually pick the schedule. Yes. But maybe we shouldn't view it that way as much because what are the chances we get into the season? And yeah, there will be some teams that are probably better than you expected on the schedule. Like maybe there's a team that you think is going to be like a six win team and they went eight or nine, right? But there are also going to be teams on KU's schedule who we view right now. And it's just the idea of us being like, yeah, I think they I mean, could listen, be a bowl team, and they go three and nine. Texas you don't know. Tech is is kind of a dark horse team. What if they just end up being five and seven? What if they just end up being a five and seven team or whatever? And I was thinking about this over the weekend, actually. When it comes to like the schedule talk, I look at KU's schedule, and it's like, eh, I see like two maybe like games where I'm seventy five percent confident or more KU's going to win. But then I started thinking about it. Going into the last season, how many games were you confident KU was going to win besides Tennessee Tech? I think generally the Duke game was seen as a game where KU was going to have a good chance to win preseason. Now, Duke ended up being a pretty good team when they came to, when they came to Lawrence, but still, right. preseason, that was the game where everyone was like, that's your chance to get another like potentially guaranteed win. But even in that case... What, I mean, what if you had to give a percentage preseason of how confident you were KU was going to beat Duke, you'd probably say like 55%, 60%. Like, you weren't that confident. <laughs> right. Right? Right. So if, you go, so if you look at it from that standpoint, it's like, okay, well, last season there was only one game that I thought KU was really guaranteed to win. They ended up winning six. So this year, if I feel like there's two games that I feel pretty confident they're going to win, that doesn't mean they're not going to win the rest of their games because they were able to do that last season. So it's... <clears throat> There's definitely some minutia there of KU is going to win some games that, well, we th- we think, are is going to win some games that are more coin flip type games. Yeah, and I think that actually going back to the stat. And this, this and yeah, this stat is something this, that would behoove you to think that that's more possible. Yes. Because what, what helps you, especially when you're looking at going on the road in conference, things like that, continuity, that's what can make the difference. Yep. Discipline, knowing the playbooks, so you're not false starting and stuff. Having a good quarterback that's going to win you those close games. Having a good coach that's going to win you those games. Good coordinators to help you eke out those little points throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff does make you think that you're going to be in a good spot in those coin flip, flip games, which to your point, you're going to be kind of in a lot of them. And I think, too, like part of this is that, um, which makes it even better for KU, is it's not just that you're returning. Like, it'd be one thing if you were returning your head coach, you both your coordinators, and, like, a quarterback who was, like, super up and down last year. You know, he had 15 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, and it was like, well, he was a young player. We're just letting him play through it. We think he's going to get better, and we think he's going to break out. The- no, you return a guy, a quarterback, who... Proven. Yes, he was a Heisman candidate before he got injured. His total QBR on the season was a 90.0. That was number 1 in the country, Nick. That was that was here's the rest of the top 10. That's pretty good. Hendon Hooker, who was a Heisman candidate all year long. I and mean, people were mad he wasn't invited to New York, right? Yeah. CJ Stroud, who uh went what, second, third in the draft. Almost beat Georgia. Yep. Uh Bo Nix, who had a resurgent season and was kind of a I don't know, did he finish top 10 in the Heisman? I, he's I he's like top 5 in Heisman odds for this year. The, the problem that. with Bo Nix is that <laughs> 
they got blasted by yes. Georgia in week one or week two or whatever. And then I just feel like after that, Nobody I never cared. heard yeah. a peep out of Oregon the rest of the season. Had a good season, though. Had a good season. <laughs> uh, Caleb Williams, who won the Heisman. Heisman. Stetson yep. Bennett, who won a national title. Put up really good stats. Yeah, uh, with the greatest team of all time. <laughs> that right? helps. I, I could have put up those stats. Jordan Travis, really good for Florida State. Bryce Young, ever heard of him? First pick in the draft, former Heisman winner. Cam Rising for Utah, who, you know, solid quarterback for them. And then Drake yeah. May, who emerged as being a guy who now is being seen as like a first-round pick and a Heisman candidate for this year yeah. and for next year. So um, you look at that top 10. Every quarterback on that list, I believe, right? I mean, Tennessee won double-digit games. Stroud went to the playoff. Knicks, Oregon won nine or t- I think 10 with the bowl game. Caleb Williams won double digits. Stetson Bennett won the title. Jordan Travis, I think Florida State won 10. It might have been nine. Uh, Bryce Young, they won their 10th game. Was it? Uh, they were whatever. They, they won double-digit games. Uh, Cam Rising, they went to the, the Rose Bowl. And then Drake May at North Carolina, they went to the ACC title game. Every quarterback in that list, except Jalen Daniels in the top 10 in QBR last year, won at least nine games. And so it's easy to be like, well, the reason Jalen Daniels is the exception here, and he didn't win nine games because he got hurt. He didn't get to yeah. play in yeah. you know five of those games or, or whatever it was, four games. Um, so when you view it from that standpoint, like – what if you viewed it as if Jalen Daniels was healthy because every other quarterback on this list did win nine games, maybe they would have won, won nine games last year. And if they did win nine games last year and returned their coach, both coordinators in the starting QB, honestly, where would they be ranked right now? No, seriously, in the preseason. Is that a top 10 team? I think it is. Top 10? The Kansas State is ranked, what, 14th, I think, I don't on think, preseason I don't think magazine? Top 10. Top 15? Based off of what's happening right now with like the general now, I don't know if disrespect is the right word, but the sort of pendulum swinging the other direction on the national hype around KU football, I still think they would not be in the top 10. But top I'm saying 20. if they would have won nine last year, right? I, I, Wait, no, I understand. Like, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. So you don't think they'd be ahead of Texas, who right now on ESPN's latest not, was number 10? They would not be ahead of Texas. Okay. No. They would not. They would definitely not be ahead of Texas. Utah's fourteen. They would not be ahead of Utah. You don't think so? No. Okay. TCU's sixteen. They would probably not be ahead of TCU either. No. Maybe. I disagree, man. I, I think they would be top fifteen. I, and so I, I'm not saying that's just so hard to say because, like, I I still think the well, you don't know national, who else they would have beat in those nine games, yeah, right? And the national perspective on K football is still that they suck. Sure. Which is like. Sort of still kind no, of fair, I, I guess. I know but it's not it's, really. It's hard to put yourself in that actual viewpoint of being like, how would people be viewing if they yes. won nine games and, last yes. year? And like from our perspective, it's so easy to just put on the rose-colored glasses and be like, oh, pff, top ten, easy, top sure. ten team. They would be top ten on my poll. Well, well of guess, course they would be. No, what I'm saying is like typically, if you just if you just put a blind resume on it, and oh you yeah, had a the team, blind resume, they would be top ten. If you had a team that went nine and four and returns whatever it is, 18 starters with a Heisman contender quarterback, both coordinators and the coach, that team typically is top 10 preseason. Listen, I'll I'll just tell you this. You said Texas was 10, right? Yeah. Texas goes like 6 and 6, 7 and 5 every year and whatever the hell, and they're still top 10 every year because they're Texas. No, they get the burnt orange So KU would be outside the top 25 because they're Kansas, for now at least. I, I get the, the cynicism. I get until the, the narrative flips. No, I, I, I mean, I think it probably does flip if you would have won nine last year. So I, again, this is not me saying uh, that they should be those expectations. It will flip if they win nine this year, right? For sure. 
100%. My point here is that there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic that KU can be in the top half of the Big 12, that KU can be closer to that group of those other teams who have this stack going their way than you might possibly think as long as everybody, and specifically I mean, Jalen, can stay just, healthy. Listen, to sum it up, it'll just come down to winning close games, and when you have the continuity of those all those guys coming back, plus Lance Leipold, plus Jalen Daniels, that puts you in a pretty good position, you think, and you feel pretty good about winning some coin flip games that previously for Kansas, if it was a coin flip game, you didn't feel very good about it. Now you should feel pretty positive. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by David Lesky in about 15 minutes. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We also call it RCST if you're a cool kid. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson what? on KLWN. What is wrong with you? Uh, David Lesky is joining us now from Inside the Crown. Make sure to check out all of his awesome work. Subscribe to his Substack again, Inside the Crown. Uh, David, Zach Granke really struggled on Friday. He had some, what I would refer to as almost cryptic comments that afterwards some people were kind of running with to mean uh, that maybe he'd retire at the end of the year. How likely do you think it is that Zach Granke retires at the end of the season for the Royals? Um, I mean, it seems pretty likely. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can give a percentage because Zach Granke is, yeah. um, the enigma of all know. enigmas. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, it, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say it's seventy percent or fifty percent, but. It's not zero, <laughs> and I think it's probably more than you know, fifteen or twenty percent. I, I just, I, I feel he he doesn't strike me as the type who is going to stick around if he's not real happy to stick around. I mean, we've kind of already seen that he didn't stick around. Um, I, I don't fault him for this. Cause I, I don't for it to come out that way, but he didn't stick around back in in oh five or no six when he when he left the team either um, because he didn't want to play baseball anymore, and that's okay so at what will be 40 next season i i can't imagine he hangs around just to collect a paycheck um that just doesn't strike me as that type so i i i could see it i think i, I think the bigger question is at some point is he going to say i walk away now rather than october you know i if if he continues to be as down as that sounded would it surprise anybody if he walked away in season? I don't think so. I'm not not saying I predict it, but yeah, it, it was it was sad to hear, honestly. I mean, to that notion, obviously, this wouldn't apply if he were to you know walk away at some point in season. But um, do you think the Royals would possibly trade him to try to put him on a contender for if it is his last year? I mean, I think they they work out the deal. They try to find a deal. Um, actually, no, they would make a trade if he wanted to go to a contender. If Zach Grinke came to them and said, hey, um, I can't do this anymore. I want to win. I've got, you know, 800 pitches left in my arm or whatever, and I, I want to go win. Because you know that's the way he would describe it. Um, yeah, I think that they would make a trade. I think that they would they would move him for whatever they could get. And honestly... This is really interesting because for weeks it was, well, who are they going to, if not Lyles, then who makes that start? If not Singer, who makes that start? All of a sudden, there's an answer to who. And, and quite a few answers to who. And so 
we're starting to get to a point that I don't know that any of these pitchers that they have in the minors are, or some of the majors are long-term answers. Um, but I don't know that they're not. And they need to get starts for some of these guys. Like they need to see Austin Cox in a bulk innings or starter role. They need to see, um, you know, Brad Keller is going to come back soon at some point. I haven't heard anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts a rehab assignment soon. And they need to get him five starts to see if they can make a deal for him. Alec Marsh is pitching well in AAA. Anthony Veneziano pitching well in AAA. Jonathan Boland didn't have a great first start, but he's in AAA. Angel Zerpa is back pitching in AA, and he, he could be back anytime soon. They have a handful of guys that are way more important to the future of this season than Zach Greinke as far as getting starts. So it maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Zach Greinke was on a different team come August 1st. Daniel Lynch uh, continues to pitch well, had, had a good week last week. Uh, solid so far, but when you look at the low strikeout numbers, when you look at, I know they have the Stuff Plus that was, uh, I think, started by Eno Saris, and, and now they have it all over fan graphs and stuff. Uh, the Stuff Plus numbers aren't anything that, that jump off the page for you. What do you kind of make of, of his start to the season that has good numbers, but maybe doesn't have the best underlying stats? Yeah, that, that, that's what has me a little bit hesitant to buy completely in. Um, but also, you know, I, I wrote about this today, you look at what the opponents are doing in, in some instances. And, like, the Tigers, for example, on, what did he pitch, Tuesday? There, yeah, I think it was Tuesday against the Tigers. Um, they, they were swinging early. <laughs> like, they weren't letting him get to two strikes very often. And, and they, were, they were putting pitches in play weekly the entire game. And so, you know, at some point, if, you, if, if, if a hitter is, is – Swinging early and often, you're throwing strikes, you're getting weak contact. You know, is, is that something to say, well, he should have struck out more batters? I don't know. He threw seven innings with 78 pitches that night. Um, yesterday, I thought the Rays, I, 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 put the, I put the lack of strikeouts yesterday as a credit to the Rays rather than a detriment to Daniel Lynch. He was fouling off some pitches that I have never seen teams foul off. There were a couple of changes that he threw, and I, I think it was. I'm not, now I'm not sure. I, th- I think it was Harold Ramirez, though, in an at-bat. And he just kept fouling change-ups off that looked nasty out of his hand. And he didn't get a lot of swings and miss on his, swing and miss on his change-up yesterday. And, and I think a lot of that was the raise. So, yeah, it's something to, to monitor, I think. I don't necessarily think it's something to look at and, and say, oh, this is a problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, want, you want more strikeouts. Because we saw Zach Grinke, going back to him on Friday night, he gave up a lot of weak contact, but a lot of runs because that weak contact found holes. And, you know, we've said this before, a batted ball will sometimes become a hit. A strikeout will never be a hit. So it's, the percentages are much better if you're, if you're not letting them touch the ball. Talking to David Lesky here of Inside the Crown, uh, Michael Garcia, Drew Waters, both had good weeks over the last seven days or so. Uh, which player of those two do you think is more likely to be a starter or, I guess, key contributor come 2024? Um, I mean, of the two, Garcia, he's, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. He is not only – it's not that he's played good defense. It's not that he's played great defense. He has legitimately played elite defense at third base. Um I, I, I haven't looked this morning, but as of yesterday, I think he was tied for the league lead in defensive runs saved at third base, and he didn't come up until, was it May? I think it was May. Like, 
that's a counting stat. And he missed the first, I think, like 40% of the season. <laughs> and he's still leading the league. And it's not just the metrics. I mean, you, you the eye test shows it. There was that play um, against Margot, I think, I think it was yesterday, when he came in and just made that rifle throw. And Prado made a really nice play to, to take the throw also. But you see it every single night. He's been good at shortstop, too. Um, and, and he's hitting. He's hitting the ball hard. Thing about Waters, we, we see the defense too. I mean, he showed off really good glove, especially this weekend in Tampa. But um, there's a strikeout issue, and he's going to go hot and cold. And when he's hot, I mean, we saw it. Drew Waters can almost carry a team with his bat when he's really hot. The problem is when he's cold, it's really cold. So that that's a tougher profile to become a, a big time contributor. I think they both can be, but I think if you're asking me to pick one, it's going to be Garcia. The Royals did the impossible last week. They won a Jordan Lyles start. Uh, I don't know if they went and got a lottery ticket afterwards, but not to mention it came against the Rays, too. Uh, so I guess if that, that doesn't really tell you the randomness of 162-game season sometime, I, I, I don't really know what does. Uh, but in regards to Lyles, I, I think there's a report from the Kansas City Star that uh, the Royals were going to try to trade him at the deadline to which I know some fans uh, kind of responded about, okay, yeah, like as if somebody's going to take him. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Like, is there a realistic chance they trade Jordan Lyles? What do you think a possible deal would even look like? Everybody is tradable. Um, I will preface everything with that. There's not a single person who can't be traded. Um, I find it really hard to believe that a team is going to take on the contract and the pitcher through next season when he's pitched the way he has. Um, the article, which I had some issues with, uh, mentioned that teams don't care about his win-loss record. And that are, that's correct. Teams are not worried about a pitcher's win-loss record. What they are worried about is an ERA approaching seven, um, <laughs> just a, generally, a general issue with the home run ball, um, all that. Now, I don't, if you're looking for a projection standpoint, because teams are not acquiring what a player did, teams are acquiring what a player will do. And, and I think you can look at some things that Jordan Lyles has done. Fewer hits and things pitched, um, solid number of walks, the strikeouts are fine. Generally, I mean, in more, start, more often than not, especially recently, his starts have not been. They haven't been just consistently bad. It's that he's had a blow-up inning. He's had two blow-up innings, and the rest were great. His start on on Saturday was exactly that. He gave up four runs in two innings, and I think he finished it with 13 of the last 14 getting out. Like, that's kind of what we've seen from Jordan Lyles. And so I think there are teams that look at that and say, okay, the home run issue is a little bit fluky. Um, We can – our defense is a little better than the Royals. Maybe we can – turn the four-run inning into a two-run inning, stuff like that. So I think there are teams that would look at Lyles and say, yeah, we, we have a spot for him. The problem is that second year, the problem is the money. So if they're going to trade him, they're probably going to have to pay 80% of the contract. Um, I mean, I suppose you could look at it and say, if, if the Royals take on the 2024 money, some other team will take on the rest of this year, although that, that's tougher because teams' budgets are set pretty well. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know what they'd have to do to move him. And if so, what are they going to get? Probably not a lot. Um, but again, let's go back to the Granky thing. 
There are guys who need those innings more than Jordan Lyles, who are more important for the future than Jordan Lyles. And, and the Royals acquired him because they said, hey, we got to get 180 innings from somebody. And, well, he's not given that anymore anyway. So um, I think it's possible. I just I wouldn't hold my breath. I remember asking a question similar to what I'm about to ask you around this time last year about, I think it was uh, Michael Taylor, and the idea of do you try to trade him sooner than later in case there is an injury? Sure enough, he ended up getting injured. Um, I guess, like, what what do you think the timeline for the Royals to start making these deals is going to be? Because on one hand, there's that. There's also the idea that maybe a team would give you just a tiny bit more if they get an extra month out of the player, but... Also, at the same point in time, I, I guess MLB GMs are just like us. Sometimes they, they want to procrastinate, procrastinate and uh, you know they don't make the best offer until the actual deadline, right? So I, I guess how do you balance that, and uh, what do you think the timeline of when the Royals are going to start trading guys is? I, I mean, la- so last year they traded Carlos Santana on June 27th. Tomorrow is June 27th. <laughs> so I, I, I think that there is a very real possibility that the moves get started whenever. And you're right. Teams respond to a deadline. Um, my opinion is the Royals need to say, hey, we are trading your oldest Chapman on this day. So the trade deadline is July 31st, August 1st, whatever it is. But our trade deadline for this player is this date. And, and I think that, that that could spur some some movement. But I look, I, I think I think he's going to get, I think they're going to move some guys sooner than later. Um, I just tweeted this a few minutes ago, but I, I've heard a lot of the same things I heard last year, um, just quieter about moving the draft to the all-star break has really impacted the trade deadline and in a, in a negative way. And I think teams are better at it than they were before because they figured it out last year, but there are a lot of resources being put toward the draft and some of those resources are going to be used for the trade deadline and they're just not, available right now so that, that that that's putting a little bit of a wrench in some things and i think they that that's an unintended consequence of moving the draft that they don't really seem to care about which shocking shocking that major league baseball doesn't care about something important <laughs> but um well, i mean the world series but, trophy I mean, is just a hunk of metal so it, yeah look what it, are they really playing for trade, if you want to make a trade to acquire some metal that's on you <laughs> all right we don't really care um but uh yeah so I mean, truly, no, 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 no timeline of a trade would surprise me if, if, if Nick breaks in and says, "Hey, they just traded Chapman." At, right now, it would not. I, mean, I, would, I wouldn't be knocked over. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> like it, it could happen at any time. Okay, uh, you mentioned the MLB draft that's upcoming here in, in a couple weeks. How important now is the draft after? Gavin Cross has fallen out of the top 100 on MLB.com, on Baseball America. That They have zero top 100 prospects. How important does this draft become now? Um, I don't know that that really impacted much of anything. I, I, the Royals don't really care about rankings. Um, and truthfully, they don't matter. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's not like you – it's not like the World Series is, is decided based on draft rankings. Although, teams with, the, with better prospects tend to win the World Series eventually. So – there's that. I, I don't think the Royals especially care what writers outside their organization believe in this player or that player. That said, the system is, is light. Um, I think there's, there's actually a lot of depth in the system. I think that there are a lot of position players who could be big leaguers. 
I mean, there's a lot of a lot of pitchers who can be big leaguers. They're lacking in star power. Um, Gavin Cross was one of their big hopes. He still is. He had a rough two months. He's been much better in June. I'm not terribly worried about him, to be honest. They've made some adjustments with his swing. Sometimes that takes a little while. Um, it would not surprise me if at the end of the year he's back on top 100 list because he had a good final two and a half months. So that's not that big of a deal. But, yeah, the system lacks in star power. And when you have a top 10 pick, you can get star power. And so I, I, it is a big draft. And they've got the eighth pick, the 44th pick, and then I can't remember the other ones. But um, they they have they have a few picks in the first few rounds. And they, they can kind of restock the system a little bit. And I think that uh, the trade deadline, the draft, and the offseason, um, I think those are really important for this organization. Just, just to get back, you know, top 15. They don't need to be top five. It would be nice. Um, but they need to be. They need to get back in the top half. I think they probably will, is my guess. Um, and then there are some, some risers, too. Like Austin Charles is a guy who I think might, might get some love moving forward. He, he just got to low A. Uh, he's drafted last season. Um, but, so there, there's some guys who will, who will jump up the rankings. But yeah, I mean this draft is, is huge. They they need to they need to hit because they haven't hit a ton in a while. And yeah, it's it's pretty important. Well, with how important it is, I guess I don't know. Do do you see this being one of those drafts because of where they're positioned that it makes more sense to them to pull kind of Frank Mozicato to have more money for future picks, or uh, does that not make sense this year? Uh, so I, I struggle with that when you're when the gap in picks is thirty six spots. Because they pick eight and they pick 44 is their next pick. And I, and I think that you can do that. Um, and it's always a risk. But I just feel like the, the bigger the gap between your picks, the bigger the risk it is. Just because you don't know if, if the person you're saving money for is going to be there. Um, you know, they, they did it, like you said, with Mozicato. They did it back in the day with Hunter Dozier. And they got the guys they wanted all along. So... You know, maybe maybe it doesn't really matter how big the gap is. I just it, it's risky to me. I, I think you take the best player available, and you say, "I don't. I'm not going to play games here that that may or may not ever happen. Um, I'm just going to take the best guy at this spot." But if they do it, you know, it's kind of like the Mozicato pick. You can't judge that pick until you see what their second pick is, because they 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 go in tandem. It's like when, when they picked Hunter Dozier, it was. Well, that's weird. I hadn't heard his name at all. And then they get Shamanai, and you go, oh, okay, that's a good draft. So, um, and that, that worked out for them, actually. So, you know, I, I think that I, I think that they can do it. It just feels a little too risky for me, but, you know, what do I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, here is something that I hope you know. Who is the player of the week for the Royals? But there's actually some options. They won three games this week, two against the Rays. They, uh, we talked about Waters. He had a good week. Uh, we talked about Garcia. He had a good week. Bobby Witt had like a 13% walk rate this week, by the way. And keeps doing it. That's interesting. But we never go pitcher. And Daniel Lynch threw 13 innings with a 0.69, very nice ERA. Um, I think he's got to be the guy, right? We, we never go pitcher with this team. And Daniel Lynch had a really good week, so i got to give it to him. All right, he is David Lesky. Check out all his work inside the crown. Subscribe to his Substack. David, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks, Derek. 
All right, that's David Lesky of Inside the Crown joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to David for coming on the show. For Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays next. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Four o'clock hour. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, I think I I feel like Nick. You're, are no. you having a case of the Monday? You told me that you thought yesterday Dude, yeah. was Saturday. Yes, I'm having a case of Mondays because yeah, yesterday. Well, it wasn't so much that I thought yesterday was Saturday. It was just that I really, really, really wanted yesterday to be Saturday, and then every time I remember that it wasn't, I was just mad at the world, at the universe. <laughs> I was like, "Dude, this sucks. Why can't today be Saturday?" You know, I mean, I was just saying, like, is there any worse feeling than, like, going through a good chunk of the Sunday and then having the sudden realization at, like, 4 o'clock on Sunday that it's Sunday and not Saturday? Mm. Is there anything worse than that? No. Honestly, not. Although, maybe. Because then again, you're not getting Sunday scaries, so that's a positive. Like, you're enjoying your day more. I, getting the most I mean, out of it. I don't know. I guess. Possibly. Maybe. All right. Well, uh, we're going to tell you who else is having a Case of the Mondays today on this edition of Case of the Mondays. Uh, first up, KU avoiding playing Trey Mitchell is having a case of the Mondays. Very abstract thing to have a case of the Mondays here. Uh, that is because Trey Mitchell, who was at West Virginia, transferring with the coaching change, and he still winds up at a school that is going to be playing Kansas this year. He has officially committed to Kentucky, who KU plays in the Champions Classic. Mm-hmm. So you played him at Texas, yeah. he leaves. It's like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> nope, ends up at West Virginia. Plays West Virginia. Like, he's played well against KU in his career. Yeah, didn't, didn't he have a big game against them? The Texas one, he ba- he had like 20 points or something. He, you know, yeah. he had, I think banked in a three to like basically win him the game. West Virginia games, both of them, he played pretty well against Kansas. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, okay. Now we don't have to worry about, oh, too bad. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And listen, Kentucky needed that desperately. <laughs> I mean, they weren't even gonna have to. They weren't even gonna have a team, like two weeks ago. Yeah. So now they're, that's good for Kentucky, I guess. Good job, Cal. Decided to wake up from your nap and finally do your job for the first time the whole off season. Mm-hmm. You idiot. But yeah, this is unfortunate because listen, there is no doubt in my mind, and I think KU fans feel the same way about this. There's no doubt in my mind that there are certain guys that just for whatever reason they they go off against KU. There's no explanation for it. They're not very good. It's usually players. the white guy shooter off the bench. Yeah, they're they're they generally are like not very good players, or they have a low three point shooting percentage, and then they play Kansas, and then they become Steph Curry. Now Trey Mitchell is actually a good player and has been a good player outside of that, but but still, it's there are certain guys that you would just you just know when they step on the court, they're gonna hit a three, they're gonna do something that they haven't done in any other game ever in their entire life against Kansas. That's just how that's just how it goes. Yes, it is. Uh, so they will see him in the Kentucky, which that becomes interesting for Kentucky because now they do have, they went from a place of having like all freshmen to now they bring Reeves back. They have Trey Mitchell back to where I, I do think that probably what, they're a top 20 team at this point now? 
No. No? Still no? <laughs> well, probably, yeah. Just not in... Well, not preseason, in they'll probably be ranked higher than that. Yes. Right? Okay. Do you think the Champions Classic... Do you think they intentionally tell like the pollsters to be like, make these teams in the top 15, top 20, and then... That maybe people more people watch. Because how many years has Michigan State been like bad? But in the preseason, they're don't they're top fifteen. They're playing against Kentucky in the Champions Classic. They're playing against Kansas in the Champions Classic. So you think I'm, that this is like ultimate tinfoil hat stuff? I was just saying. Yeah. You you think that the people who run the Champions Classic have this like they some go to the power? Polls, yeah. They're like, hey, make sure that Michigan State, even though they suck, is twelve <laughs> in the preseason poll. Um, is that too far? I'm going to guess no, but who knows? You might be on to something I don't know, there. man. For sure. I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if Kentucky ends up like preseason top 10. I don't know that I would put them there, but like just <laughs> to your point exactly. on the hype. Right? They end up being top 40. Yeah. They're, they're, they're ninth in the poll of the Champions Classic. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, the New York Yankees are having a case of the Mondays today. Right now, they're struggling. They're third in the AL East. It's still a pretty good record, 43-35. and 35. Um, but they, uh, their offense has just kind of disappeared here of late ever since uh, Aaron Judge got injured. And that's what this boils down to is that uh, Aaron Judge, who basically sprained his toe, it was announced over the weekend that he basically said he tore a ligament in his toe, which, to be clear, a sprain is a torn ligament. It's just the, the designation of the sprain. I didn't even know your toe had ligaments. Oh, yeah. You got ligaments all over. All well, over your body. I don't even body. know what that is. It's uh, ligaments and like, tendons. Okay, somebody says, know? oh, I got a torn ligament. I'm the type of guy that's like, oh, yeah, dude, that sucks. And I have no idea what that is. It sounds it sounds bad, doesn't like, it? Somebody, though, but doesn't that happen to you? Somebody comes to you and they're like, oh, you know, this I had th- this happened to my knee or my elbow or whatever. And you're like, oh, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. That sucks. And in your head, you're like, dude, I don't even know what that is. That's in your elbow? I didn't even know. Uh, ligaments are what, like, connect the bones together. Like huh. connect your joints and stuff. Like basically, it's it's that that, not what I thought. They like you have like like okay. So I would have guessed that ligaments had to do with muscles. Well, when you sprain your ankle, you have like ligaments in your ankle, and okay. the the severity of the sprain, like there's a grade one, grade two, grade three, yep, right? I'm following. Is yep. dependent on how many ligaments you you basically break. So okay. the worst okay. severity of the sprained ankle is a grade three because all the ligaments have detached. That's and now that's why you have to get surgery. That does sound really painful. Right? So that's why you have to yeah. get surgery. But if some of the ligaments are still attached, they will, you know, refuse together in the other Yeah, area. no, I totally, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, see, okay, you're, you're just lying now. You're going back lying. to the conversation no, you I'm just No, I'm not. Had. Okay. That was not a lie. Uh, so anyway, Aaron Judge is going to be out a while. And basically there were some cryptic comments from him and his manager about like the idea that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee he's back by the end of the year. So that would certainly be not a good way for the uh, reigning AL MVP and the Yankees to kind of fall off here. That sucks, Yankees. Case of the Mondays for people who finally got the PlayStation 5 in stock. You know, it's been a long journey. It's been a long couple of years for people who have wanted to buy PlayStation 5s or even, you know, the new Xbox where they've had to wait just forever to get these things and wait in long lines (laughs) or, you know, get on these waiting lists. And finally, really over the past few months, it feels like they're actually in stock, that people can buy them now. Huh. Well, news coming out now that they already have plans for the next launch of the Xbox, whatever it's going to be called, and the PlayStation 6. Yeah, this this is just, uh, this happens, man, where it's like you buy one generation of a, of a console and, <laughs> and then it's already, old. it's already old after like two years. And then there's like, you're already three other ones. Also, 
I don't understand why Xbox went back to Xbox One. That's something that I feel like we as a society have not discussed enough, why they did that. What's the reasoning behind that? It's not the one. You had three Xboxes before that. What is the reasoning? Nope, we just let it slide. Just let it slide right on by. So do you think they're going to, are they going to work from there? Are they going to say Xbox 2 for the next one? I don't know. I I don't know. Because they went from Xbox to Xbox 360 and then back to one. That's like. So uh, what are they doing next? Who knows? Well, we're coming up on the time when uh, there was a uh, Madden, uh, the video game. They did Madden 25. Yeah, because like 10 years ago for the 25th anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're coming up on... Madden 25. Not, this, so this year will be Madden 24, so the next year would be Madden 25. What, what are, are they, they going to do? do? What are they gonna Madden do 25 that? Part 2? Madden 2025? You know? <laughs> Madden 25 yeah. again? So I guess Case of the Mondays for naming things, too, would uh, be... Yeah, but honestly, yeah, this is this is tough because... I will like, say the release like, date is until 2028. I, I actually, in my house, my apartment, I actually still have... A, an original Xbox One from like 2015, whenever they came out, or whatever year they came out. Mm-hmm. I never, I never bothered to buy. I have never, I have not bothered to buy the next iteration, whatever. But like now, should I? I don't know. The next one's <laughs> gonna come out soon, so I don't know. Mm. So what do I do? And then when you get that one, the next one will be. Ex- on the what do I, exactly. What do sure. I do? Uh, the Angels trying to avoid the tungsten O'Doyle jokes are. Uh, Dude, this is hilarious. Having a case of the Monday. So first off on Friday night. Here, here's the headline on ESPN. Okay. Otani hits MLB best 25th homer. Goes back-to-back with Trout. But Diaz rallies Rockies past Angels. <laughs> <laughs> he also, in that same game, Shohei Otani... Um, actually, no, he didn't pitch in that game. But yeah, they went back-to-back home runs. They lose 7-4 to to the uh, to the Rockies. Who are and, bad, by the way. Yes, who are bad. Very bad. Um, the Angels also in the series, over the three-game series, they outscored the Rockies 32-12. to would you like to guess how the series went? How did it go? They lost the series. That's so dumb. Well, that's because they won twenty-five <laughs> to one or whatever yeah. in that second game. Yep. Which, by the way, what do you think of the idea of instituting a mercy rule in Major League Baseball? Ooh. I know for a fact that baseball old heads would be like, "Oh, we we got to play nine innings." I know they would be mad about it, but I'm I'm just floating it. I'm just floating it. What do you think? But, like, okay, you'd have to make it, like, 15 runs. Yeah, I, I don't think it could be 10. It'd be, like, 15 after 7. I'd be fine with that. Or 20 after 7. I'd be fine with that. I feel like the players would be fine with it. The broadcasters would probably be fine with it. Well, like, I just, I, yeah, I just don't understand. Get like, to a point where it's like, what are we doing here? Why, exactly, why do you want to waste position pitchers? position players pitching. Yeah, yeah, like, why do you want to waste pitchers in a game that was lost two hours ago? Like, you lost. You're down 23 to 0. You lost. The game is over. Final. Period. You're not coming back. Okay? So why are we still playing? I don't know. It's just a thought. It's okay. Just a thought. Just a thought. Case of the Mondays for cramps. All right. Did you see this over the weekend? It, it actually was a Kansas City Current, mm. the women's soccer team in Kansas City. It was Michelle Cooper was had a cramp. And on the video broadcast, if you saw the video, she gets some she they give her some sort of like drink fluid of some type and she drinks it really quickly and then just like starts freaking out well in case you're wondering what that is it's called hot shot and here's what it is this is basically my understanding of it and i obviously i've done a little bit of research here hot shot is basically it's like a, it's a shot actually literally like a, like when you take a shot of like alcohol or whatever it's, okay it's, that's how much liquid it is so it's a very small amount of liquid but it's like hyper concentrate of like 
everything spicy you can think of into a shot form. Okay? And this is what it does. It's a spicy shot. What the purpose of it is that, or this is like the science behind it, it overwhelms the nerves in your mouth and throat when you take the shot. And within 30 seconds, your nerves in your mouth and throat are so stimulated that it stops the signal of the cramp from your brain going to the muscle telling it to cramp, and it reverses it, the cramp. That's what it does. And it, and it can cease cramps. It can stop all cramps for up to eight hours after wow. taking it, allegedly, is what it says. Okay? And if you look a little deeper, they have a website. They have a website. It's for muscle cramps, and they claim that compared to placebos, hot shot has been shown to prevent muscle cramps by over 50% during and after a workout. If you if you use it, but what really got the what really got the headlines was with Michelle Cooper, and then it actually happened again in another uh, NWSL game. Was the faces of the women after taking the hot shot, and like how terrible it seemed that it tasted, that it was horrible. So, I, I it, yeah, I it, saw uh, that one video, and and it looked like they were dying. Yeah, I, I would just be I don't know, just deal with the cramp. <laughs> really? Maybe. But you I thought you like spicy stuff. I do, but like the reaction that they, they show when they take oh, it's it bad. is just like Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, we're a radio show so you can't see it, but I would highly recommend going to find the video. Yes. Because absolutely. it's 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 like I mean, it's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's, it's crazy. Okay, case of the Mondays for people realizing Rudy Gay is still playing in the NBA. Uh, the Hawks. Wait, fi- he's still playing in the NBA? See, there we go. The <laughs> Hawks finalized the trade to send John Collins to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gay and a future second-round pick. Also, I would almost put the Hawks on here uh, for Case of the Mondays because that is uh, that feels like a very bad trade. Well, so remember they didn't they signed John Collins to like a eighty million dollar deal, I think, or something ridiculous. I think it was like four eighty something like that. And then they realized that he sucked, and what they they didn't know what to do about that. Well, they, they probably overpaid him. You're right. And that, that is part of it. But, like, he's been a very solid NBA player over the course of it. I mean, like. Okay, so he doesn't suck? No, over the course of his NBA career, he is averaging 16 points, 8 rebounds per game while shooting 36% from three and 55% from the field. So, like, yeah, that's not bad he has defensive deficiencies and there are certain fit questions. But the fact that Utah is getting him for a second round pick and a player that. I didn't even know still played in the NBA. Like, yeah, I didn't even know that. Either. Go for it. I assume that they're offloading the contract to Utah to do something. Probably, probably get some Dude. cap to fit somebody with Trey Young. Case of the Mondays for understanding NBA free agency, by the mm-hmm. way, or NBA like contract stuff. Oh, okay. Because there's like. I didn't even know this. Did you know there's like aprons and whatever yes. the hell all that stuff yeah, is? Yeah, that's the worst part. The, they have the mid-level exceptions. They have the tax apron. That, they no, have the luxury no. tax. First they have the all, repeater that tax. That is all made up. That's all made up. <laughs> I would love to see a like capologist try to explain the NBA stuff to you. I'm just telling you hilarious. it's made up. It's made up. By the way, do you ever like go on like uh, any of the basketball reference, baseball reference, football reference, whatever, and see some of the nicknames that are just completely random on, yes, on players? Yes, that's just like... Who, who I'm looking at John Collins. Who monitors that? Yeah, I don't know. His nicknames are JC, which okay, sure, that's his initials. <laughs> the Baptist. I've never heard somebody what? call him that. And Duncan Deacon. He went. He was <laughs> went to Wake Forest. So is it just like calling it that? I don't know. We should do a segment on that. I remember there's one on Tom Brady. He calls him the Pharaoh. 
Like who? <laughs> who is calling him that? All right, that is uh, case of the Mondays here. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We got some uh, news around the Big Twelve with some basketball uh, moving and player commitments and all sorts of stuff that we'll talk about next on RCST. Welcome back into the show. This is RCST. JLW. What? what? Why do you do these things? Why do I do what? Why are you just? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I did anything wrong that I, time. I, 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 I don't know. Okay. Uh, we are out early today at 545 for Westwood One coverage of the College World Series Game 3 between the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators here right here on KLWN. Coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk a little more uh, KU basketball. We haven't talked really a ton of that today. We opened up the show with some KU football talk. If you missed any of that, check it out on the Best of RCST podcast after the show. But right now, it is time to discuss who's being stupid. How stupid yep. exactly are they There's being? There's a lot of stupidity in the there world. There is a lot of stupidity in the world. That on today's edition of The Stupid Scale. Bum, ba-da-dum. Okay, first up <laughs> on The Stupid Scale. What? Is, what? First of all, that's on The Stupid Scale. Okay, what would you rate that? Stupid. Wow, no, all the no, way? No, 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 no. That's not that's nice. Too that's too mean. That's too mean. No, that's too mean. That's too mean. You're mm-hmm. fine. Oh, okay. Continue. Okay, Continue. cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, this is from the Philadelphia 76ers, who, according to uh, Keith Pompey, who is the Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Sixers have been kind of floating around Tobias Harris as a, as a possible you know trade chip. And they wanted from the Cleveland Cavaliers to trade him a package of Jared Allen, who's an all-star this past year, I believe, Evan Mobley, and a draft pick for Tobias Harris. That is a lot. Seems like a lot. And listen. But is it stupid? What is Tobias Harris? Like, what's his ceiling? Is he, he like your best number two option? I don't think so. Number three option? I think he's a fine number three option. But I don't even. I wouldn't even say he's like one of the best number three options either. Okay. Um, he's just he's like a good scorer. You know, I don't know, fifteen points per game last year, about six rebounds. Like he, I, I saw it described this one way. Uh, I think on social media like a year ago. Okay. Tobias Harris is the guy that if you're like, hey, we need twelve points out of you tonight to win the game, and he scores eighteen, and then you're like, hey, Tobias Harris, we need twenty five points from you tonight to win the game, and he scores eighteen. It's just like <laughs> he's just like a very consistent, like solid player. But yeah, I mean. I would argue that... This seems like a lot. Well, Jared Allen is an all-star. Tobias Harris, no. So, like, Jared Allen is probably better than Tobias Harris. Also, I don't know why the 76ers would want Jared Allen. They have Joel Embiid. Um, And then Evan Mobley is much better of an asset than Tobias Harris. He's like a 21-year-old freak of a 4-5 man. So, I, I guess... Is it stupid, though? If, realistically, that is the value they are placing on Tobias Harris... And that is realistically what they actually would need to trade for him, which Tobias Harris making a ton of money at like 30, 31 years old against solid player, maybe can be a solid number four for you on a championship team or solid, I don't know, maybe a number three. Um, then that is incredibly stupid. Also, though, I'm not entirely sure this is that stupid, though. First of all, we don't know if this is true. This could just be a report leaked out by somebody from 76ers Brass because, like, what if. What if uh, the 76ers front what office... What they have to gain by leaking this? Well, what if they keep getting like really bad trade offers from other people? It's like, hey, I'll give you a second round pick for Tobias Harris. And this so they basically... They leak this and what? They leak this so that the only people who are going to call Daryl Morey asking for a trade are like seriously trying to make a trade happen. 
They're not going to just call just to kick the tires and waste his time. Maybe. No, because no, if the if the 76ers leak this, that's even more stupid. Cuz then they're just saying like, "Yeah, we're asking way too much. Who's going to call us now?" Oh, nobody, cuz you're asking way too much. That doesn't make any sense. No, that would add to the stupidity of it. It would add to it. That would increase the stupidity 100%. Okay. Do you disagree? Not necessarily. You're trying to make a trade happen. That's true. And people keep lowballing you. So you're going to leak out a story that says that you're actually trying to highball everybody. Then guess, and you you think that's going to get more people to call you? Mm -hmm. No. That doesn't make any sense. What, What are we doing? That doesn't make any sense. I, I, I get the point you're coming from. Um, I think that this is... I don't want to go all the way stupid. This is not that stupid. No, I mean, it's, it's stupid, not. but it's like... <laughs> it's stupid, but it's also like literally who cares? Right. Because the thing is, if you just don't want to trade him, you don't trade him. And also, what's the worst this is doing? It's just... <laughs> it's not like tanking his value or anything. <laughs> um, I'll give this a three and a half. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go four. Okay. Four. All right, next up on the stupid scale is... Uh, Having multiple pronunciations of your name. So, uh, Kaysen Wallace, former Kentucky player. Although, I just said that wrong. Apologies. Well, maybe. Wait, what? So, Kaysen Wallace, former Kentucky player, right? Got drafted 10th overall by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay. So, Joe Musato, who is a Thunder beat writer for uh, the Oklahoman, he tweeted out, Kaysen Wallace said he actually prefers... It's C U H dash S A N. So Kassan? Kassan, I think. Yeah. Kassan Walls? Yes. Because apparently Sam Presti, the team's like GM or whatever his title officially is now, um, called him Kassan Wallace. And people are like, what? What are you doing here? Right? Um, it's like when, when Christian Brown says his last name is Brown, not Braun, and people yeah. still don't get people it, right? Get, people get mad. So it's actually Kassan Wallace. Everybody's been calling him Kaysen the whole time. And then. There's a quote tweet from Joe Musato that said he actually said K-A-Y dash son. So Kason. Kason, sorry. Kason. So the first one was Kason. Now it's Kason. Kason. With emphasis on K is his preference and what his mom called him. Kason. He also said Kason pronounced like Jason or Mason is acceptable. So you can call him Kason, Kason, or Kason. Dude, What? This is pretty stupid. Dude, if just come up with one name. Like, just think of one name and just go with that. Okay? This is like the, the – this. do you remember this, like, last year when Travis Kelsey, I think it was on their New Heights podcast. Yeah, Kelsey where was or like, Kels. Where he was like, yeah, actually our name is Kels, but everyone calls us Kelsey, so we just roll with it. That I, Like, just do that. Yeah. Just, just whatever – I, I don't know. Just either – listen. Either you roll with whatever people are calling you. Or you emphasize, no, this is what how you say it. Like Christian Brown. Okay, what happened? Christian Brown comes out, he's like, no, it's Brown. Yeah. Everyone got the message. Okay, got it. It's Brown. What you can't do is you, you can't flip-flop. You can't go back and forth. I definitely don't think you can have three. You Yes. At yes. least in the Kelsey-Kels yes. Kels one, it's like, it's this or that. But everyone calls him Kelsey. Correct. And then they were like, that's fine. So you see what I'm saying? You either accept what the mispronunciation of it is. Or you say, "Hey, no, this is how it's yeah, pronounced." Yeah, I'm putting my foot in the yes, sand. Like Christian you know. Brown, it's Brown. No, you can't go back and forth. No, ridiculous. I mean, this is this is like this is borderline. I feel like you're going to go stupid on this. This is borderline blasphemy. Are you going to go all the way? St- I'm just stupid? saying, like, what? Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand why. 
whatever you want yourself to be called, just say that. Mm -hmm. But then why do you want to... This, You know what, listen. I actually can understand a little bit. If you're somebody who is not a confrontational person, or if you're somebody who is not an overly extroverted person, and you meet somebody for the first time, and they say, they, you know, say, oh, nice to meet you, and they mispronounce your name. I, I can actually understand the standpoint of let it slide, whatever. Like, I'm, like I don't want to correct you. I'm not a confrontational person, you know. I, I get that. Yeah. Hello, Nike. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If somebody came up to me and was like, hello, Nike. Yeah. Like, who am I? Like, would I say, no, it's Nick? I don't know if I would or not. I would. If it was like the president you can of say in a whatever. Nice way. I don't know. Oh, by the way, it's Nick. Oh, it's Nick, actually. I yeah. I don't know. I just. I, I don't think you have to worry way. about that, to be clear. If somebody <laughs> calls you that, they're clearly messing around, I think, at this point. Um, no, I will give this a. I, I don't think it's all the way stupid. Like, I. It's pretty stupid. It is pretty up there. I'll give it a seven. I was going to go seven also, actually. Okay. Seven. All right. Uh, the Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves, are giving Nas Reed a three-year, $42 million deal. Nas Reed, since uh, going undrafted, being picked up by the Timberwolves, has been a, a solid player for them. He's averaged 10 points over his four-year and or four year NBA career, averaged 11.5 last year with five rebounds, not known as being a, a good defender, but, you know, solid backup bench big. Uh, three years, $42 million. Here's the issue, though. Um, he also has a player option, which is it's kind of interesting um, for a player who's a backup to give them that flexibility. But the Timberwolves have now committed $105 million of their cap to three centers next season between Nas Reed, Ruby, Rudy Gobert, and, uh, and Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, so the context of this one makes it extra stupid. Yeah, like I, I don't think in a vacuum, like giving Nas Reed three forty two is like that crazy or anything to to blink at. But when you have those other centers, when he's your now your third center, like I don't know, man. Because again, a hundred and whatever million it is, the salary cap for next season is supposed to be at like one hundred and thirty six million. And and as you were talking about earlier, there are all sorts of different like. Uh, luxury taxes and tax aprons and mid-level exceptions, but the main salary cap starts at 136 million. So you have from three centers utilized all but 31 million of your cap. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, the con the, the the context of this one makes it really stupid. Yes. Like, do you not understand that there's five positions on the court? What I mean, I don't understand. And it's not like one of them is Joel Embiid or Jokic. Like, if you have three centers and one of them is Jokic. Fine, sure, because he can play point guard. Right. Like, whatever. <laughs> Fine, sure. But you have Rudy Gobert, who can't do anything except play defense. Carl Anthony Towns, mm. who is soft. And I don't even know. I don't even know anything about Nas Reed. To be honest, <laughs> Nas Reed. I don't even know. I I I damn for sure know he can't play point guard. <laughs> I think that's probably pretty good. So yeah, man. I uh, I don't think it's as stupid as the name pronunciation one. I do think it's more stupid than the Tobias Harris value one. Yeah. I'll give this like a four I'm gonna go, and a half. Oh, I'm going six. Ooh, it's okay. Pretty, dude, it's pretty stupid. Yeah. The context of it is stupid. Imagine if the if now the Chiefs is a bad example. Uh, imagine if uh, the I don't know, just like some random NFL team, the Panthers, you know, were yeah. like when they had Christian McCaffrey, they're like, not only are we gonna pay this guy this much, yeah, we're like, gonna let's go sign, sign Dalvin Cook. Yes, exactly. And then let's go sign, yeah. you know. What Saquon? Yeah, and we're we're gonna have forty million dollars of our cap to three running backs, and then be like, what? 
Because that's the other thing, too. Like, centers nowadays... Are not that valuable. No, they're not. Like, if, if you have a Jokic or Embiid, of course they're valuable because yes. those guys are just otherworldly basketball players. But, like, the center position to the NBA... All you have to do is just be seven foot and boom, you I can mean, play. I mean, like, it it sounds silly, but it's it's not that crazy. Like, a lot of teams are basically just, like, their backup center. Like, they're, they're almost viewing it like running back. They're not investing draft picks in it. They're just like, hey, we can just get a JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, you know, name your Bismack Biombo veteran big man who's going to sign with us for $2 million for a year. Yep. And we're going to just invest that for a backup center yep. as opposed to doing this. Exactly. Okay, uh, last one for stupid scale here. Jeff Goodman um, is, you know, pretty triggered that Javon Quinterly is transferring. Dude, this guy went on a went on a tweeting rampage over the weekend, and I don't use rampage lightly. Okay, so first off, he claims that Javon Quinley going to the portal on June 25th is a complete joke, and that there should be an earlier deadline. He suggests May 15th for everyone, undergrads and grad transfers, to have to go into the portal in order to be eligible to play the season. Which is fine, sure, but here is what I don't understand, Jeff. A why do you care? And B, if you're a grad transfer, that's the whole purpose is that you you can go and enroll anywhere you want. So I don't understand why you're so upset about this. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's stupid. Mm. I really do. I don't. I guess sometimes Jeff Goodman, like you, you got to understand, maybe Jeff Goodman is coming at this from the coach's point of view because that's where he probably gets a lot of his information, his scoops from, that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. And so maybe he's trying to echo what the coaches are saying here. Which because I'm like, sure. the coach from the coach's standpoint, you're probably yeah. like, listen, we want to know what our roster is sooner rather than later, which is fair. Yeah, sure, fine. Well, if that's what you want to do, then go out and get the guys you want and work as hard as you can to retain the guys you have. Boom, problem solved. Like it's, it's to me, it's not it's not rocket science. And we are in an era right now where the players are the ones that have the power or have mm -hmm. more power. And I think that's – I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I think it's fine. And honestly, it, it would behoove the players to make a decision quicker too because think about it. Javon Quinley just entered the transfer portal. How many schools have the space – to pick him up where he's going to be in a situation that is going to work out for him. Right, because it's not just who not has scholarships, many. but it's who doesn't have a point guard, or yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. I.e. KU. Right. Quinterly it's like he's would, not going to come. Yeah. Quinterly would make sense for KU if they didn't already have everybody <laughs> else on guard. their team. Right. Right. So, so yeah, I, it behooves the players to be quick about it, too. Yeah. So I don't understand getting mad about this. Yeah, like, I, I don't either. Of all the things to get mad about, this really? Yeah. Because again, I, I can understand why a coach would be mad about it, but also, guess what? They get compensated for it. You know, Power Five coaches are getting three, four, five, six plus million dollars a year. You know, even some of the bigger Power Fives might maybe up ten million dollars per year. Yeah. The coach, like you can, they deal are with getting this. paid. You can figure to it deal out, with right? this crap. Um, Go get the guys you want. Yeah, and main and retain the guys you have. So yeah, so from a coach, I sort of understand it, but yeah, deal with it. You just have to. From Jeff Goodman's perspective. I would think this would be a good thing for him. Yeah, because it gives you content. Exactly. You can write about it. There's not content are going on. Give, give you clicks. Yes. So it's like, it's positive. You get to write about Javon Quinterly transferring. You get to write, write about his possible transfer destinations. You get to, you get to write about whatever of, he commits yeah, somewhere else. you get else. to do a breakdown of things that he's good yes. at and possible fits. You get to read up your preseason top 25 when he picks a new school because you can be like, yes. oh, this is how it affected, right? Like, Yes. I don't know what, yeah. So, um... 
How stupid is that? I don't know. It's just like needless to me, but it also yeah. doesn't really affect anything. It is needlessly stupid. Shouting into the void for no reason. I'll say five and a half, I guess. I'm going to go six. Here. Okay. I feel. I think I feel you like could go higher, but him being mad doesn't have an effect on anything no, at least. True, I guess. So no, it like yeah. lowers the it's consequences. Like the, it's like the man yells at cloud type. Yeah, thing. exactly. Where it's like, you yell at a cloud, what does that do to the cloud? Nothing. Nobody <laughs> no, cares. Not a thing in the world. Nobody, nobody cares. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Five o'clock hour here on KLWN. We are out early today at 545 for Westwood One coverage of the College World Series. We're talking uh, plenty more KU football throughout the week here, and as the weeks go on, we're going to pretty much shift to KU football heavy stuff, but we still do have some KU basketball stuff to kind of go over. And uh, we're actually going to start our uh, game previews this week where we're going to try to bring on some guests from other schools to talk to them about who KU is going to be playing in addition to some of our current KU football segments. And of course, check out, uh, we talked plenty KU football in the open here. You can check that out if you missed it on the best of RCST podcast. Uh, As far as KU basketball goes though, here as we we continue to kind of talk both uh, for the next couple of weeks here, how does this class, recruiting class, at least on paper, compare to past KU classes? Because it's a different type of class. You think of a lot of the great KU recruiting classes all time, and they're all freshman-based. And this year, you yeah. might have some freshmen that are going to end up being long-term guys, um, but you also have the mix of the transfers being in there. So like, so do you include them in when you talk recruiting class? I, I guess it depends. I, mean, I feel like you still don't. Maybe. I mean, if you, you want to say freshman classes, then... Certainly that, no. That clears it up. But like if you go to, for instance, if you go to the 24-7 sports page for KU basketball commits for 2023, it has the transfers on there. Now they're 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 all on the same page. It it obviously has, you know, them listed in different like columns or something, or uh with different headlines, I guess should I should say above them. So I don't know, it just depends. And and I think depending how you view it could depend on how good of a class it could be. Um, like when I think of the other great classes in KU basketball history, like 05 comes to mind, Julian Wright, Mario Chalmers, Brandon Rush that had immediate value. Julian Wright was a two year guy. Uh, Mario Chalmers was playing right away. Brandon Rush was playing right away and it had long term value. Obviously won a title with that class. Yeah. 06, you had Darrell Arthur, Sharon Collins, Brady Morningstar. Um, 08, you get the Morris twins, Tyshawn Taylor. It's part of that. 09, you get Xavier Henry, T-Rob, Elijah Johnson. 2013 comes to mind for a lot of people. You had the the Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid part of it, and then you had the long term with Frank Mason. Um, 2014, you had Cliff Alexander, Kelly Oubre, who were the short term, and then Devontae Graham, Sfee Luke, the long term. 2016, if you want to count transfers, you had that one was really good. Josh Jackson, Udoka Azabuke, Mitch Lightfoot, and Malik Newman. And then it'd be pretty darn good. That is pretty good. Uh, 2018, Quentin Grimes, Devon Dotson, David McCormick, Ochai Baji. I mean, Ochai, first team All American, David McCormick almost won Final Four MOP, Devon. Maybe he would have won a Final Four MOP if there would have been a tournament that year. And then 2019, that that class ends up looking really good now, doesn't it? Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, Christian Brown, Isaiah Moss, right? <laughs> That's a fun one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could you make the argument this could end up being the best class that Bill Self has ever had? I know, I know that sounds like hyperbole, and it probably is, and I'm probably going to say that's not going to be the case. But like, yeah, I mean, I think it's if we think I think this it's, out. I think it's tough to rate because, like, you just if listed we count off, the transfers, you just listed off a bunch of really great players. Uh, that, but it's I think it's tough to kind of quantify. Like, well, 
the class of 2016 was better than the class of 2005. It's very subjective. Yeah, like it's it's very very difficult to to really understand. You know, I guess besides like national titles or Big Twelve titles. Well, I, uh, yeah. So we got we almost have to think of like a way to measure it, just in like a which it's not going to be the be all end all because it still would be subjective. But like, yeah. what if we viewed it as guys to have their jerseys hanging in the rafters? Could be. Yeah. Would that be a good way of viewing it? Because yeah. that's viewing your well, college the other career. The thing that jumped out to me as you ran through those lists is. You had one or two guys that were like the headliners. Yeah. But then you had a couple guys in there that were, at the time, more unheralded who ended up being critical players for Kansas. That was kind of the theme, I think, of a lot of those of a lot of the classes that you listed off. So if you look at this class for KU, your headliner, quote-unquote, of just freshmen is El Marco. But then you have a more, some more unheralded guys, a guy like Marcus Adams, or even the Jamari McDowell. And, I, you know, unheralded is probably not the right word because these are still, you know, blue-chip recruits, guys that are four stars, uh, you know, top top 100, top 50 recruits. But just from the standpoint of Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, that could eventually maybe be, you know, your next Ochai, your next yeah. Steve McKayla. Yeah, there's no way of knowing until the aftermath, of yeah. course. Um, but, okay, so if I view it as, as guys with their – jerseys hanging in the rafters, which again, that's not the be all end all. Cause what you just mentioned, you have your rotation players, you have your role players on teams that might've been really good. But if we just look at from that standpoint, 2005 had two players with their jerseys in the rafters, Mario Chalmers and Brandon Rush. And part of that's because you want a title. If you don't win a title, Mario Chalmers isn't up there because he doesn't win final four MOP, right? Yeah. Is Brandon Rush up there? Maybe. I don't know. Um, 2013, you're going to get Frank up there. There are obviously the, you know, divisive conversations about will Wiggins or Embiid be up there, but realistically, just one. 2018, Ochai's going to go up there. Will yeah. Dotson get up there? I don't know. Right? He, he didn't get the tournament. Not. Only two years. If yeah. he was first team All American, probably, but he was second. So I don't know. He maybe, maybe not. David yeah. McCormick, like, probably not. But then again, Bill Self has said before that, like, Maybe he should have won Final Four MOP, which would have got him up there, right? So, I, I don't know. One, two, or three on that one. And then 2019, like Jalen Wilson will go up there now. First team All-American, uh, former national champion. Um, I guess Dewan Harris is a wait and see based on what happens the rest of his career. Um, so, I guess in that standpoint, if you if you get two players who have their jerseys hanging in the rafters, you are at that's, least in contention for this conversation, that's right? That's pretty good, yeah. Now, there is the other side of it where it's like the... Are you ever going to reach the luster of the 2013 one that had Wiggins and Embiid, right? Yeah. The NBA potential. Like the 2005 class, you had two guys with their jerseys in the rafters, Chalmers and Rush, and you had two first-round picks with Wright and Rush. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when you look at this, we've talked before. If Hunter Dickinson stays for two years at Kansas. Yeah, we, we talked on the conversation of, is it possible for a transfer to get his jersey in the rafters? Yeah. Is that possible? Be I tough guess with one year. Yes, if you meet the criteria. Win but, a title, Final Four MOP. Boom. But like, is it? But does it not feel like the that level of jersey retirement is not reserved for guys that demonstrated mm-hmm. the excellence of Kansas yeah. basketball over the course of their career? Yeah. Which, if you're a transfer, can you do that? In a short sure. period of time, but Hunter Dickinson, let's say he stays the second year, and both years he's yeah, I mean, if you're here first for, or second all, yeah, if, you if know. you're here for two years and you're a first team All American both years, and you win a national championship in one of those years, it's very difficult to not, yeah. I guess, get your name up there. So you have that as part of the class, and that, like, I don't, be I don't it. obviously know all the names in the rafters just off the top of my head. Is, is there anybody up there that was a transfer? I don't think so. 
I don't think so either. So that would be unprecedented. Right. If, if that's the case. And it is a new world. I, I feel like it, it's bound to happen eventually in, in today's day Probably. and age of how things operate. Probably. Um, but like... But still, that first one, yeah. you got to be really special. Well, and so then you get to a point where it's like, well, who would be that second guy? Marco Jackson might only be here a year. Might exactly. only be here two if he, years. If he's a one and done, probably not. No. Happening. So then you're looking His to, situation would have to be probably a two and done in his second year. He's an All-American. You know? Yep. And even then, it's like, well, is that going to be possible? Dewan could be there both years. Uh, Marcus Adams? Like, what if Marcus Adams is here for four years, and by year three and year four, he's like a really good stretch four scoring 15, 16 a game? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Jamari McDowell? Maybe. Uh, could one of the other transfers, like Arterio Morris, become all-Big 12 player and, and maybe like a late first-round pick or something? Yeah, maybe. I, so, I, I don't know. The answer here is probably not. Yeah. But could it have the most year one impact of any of those classes? I think uh, so. I mean, uh, if you include the transfers, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Hunter Dickinson's going to be starting every game, playing 30 minutes. Right. Nick Timberlake is probably going to be playing, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a game. El Marcos and El Marco and or Arterio are going to be playing a significant chunk of minutes as well. Mm-hmm. So in terms of year one impact, which listen, doesn't that make sense? I mean, what was the theme of the offseason? Overhaul. You know? You yeah. send guys off, you bring guys in. So wouldn't it make sense that this that this class is a chance to have the most year one impact? Well, duh, yeah, it would make sense because that was the whole plan all along. And another reason it's hard to figure out the long-term impact is you don't know which guys are going to transfer out of the program. That's a part of it, too. So, yeah, yeah if we just do view it as the one-year impact, as what what's going to happen right away, yeah, that 0-5-1, you still had Julian Wright and Chalmers and Rush playing right away. But that team ended up being a first-round out. So, if Hunter Dickinson lives up to the hype, and like you said, Nick Timberlake's playing 20-25 a game, and, you know, yeah, think about it this way. If, if your eight-man rotation features, it's going to feature one of, I guess, McDowell, Adams, and Brown. That's a newcomer either way. And then you have your three starters back, and the, basically the other five players in your eight-man rotation are newcomers. Yep. There's probably not of other, a lot of other years that that's happened at KU, and they've been really good. Like, maybe it happened in the 2013 team. I would have to go back and look. Um, but that team was a second round out. If this team ends up delivering to what we think they could be, and they have all those newcomers, then maybe your answer to that is yeah. yes. Or the biggest we, we right had away impact. Conversations about the idea of before Kevin McCullough came back, was that going to be an Achilles heel of Kansas? Now, it feels like when Kevin McCullough came back, that kind of rightly or wrongly wiped away all those concerns in the short term, I guess. I don't know if that's something we can circle back to, but but yeah, I don't know. I mean that makes it that makes it rather interesting. Yeah, it does for sure. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Um, we are going to take a time out here, and uh, once again, we're out a little bit early today at 5.45 for College World Series coverage from Westwood One. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast, and a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.